welcome to More Than a Therapist, a podcast for ambitious and creative clinicians who want to build careers beyond the couch. I'm your host, Davia Roberts, and I hope you're ready for today's session. Before we get started, I want to warn you about a slight twist in today's episode. For the past few weeks, I've introduced you to some dope clinicians who are doing amazing things in the mental health field, whether it's consulting, product development, writing a book, publishing a new idea, all of the things. But today, we're not going to talk to another therapist. You're actually going to hear from a lawyer. Because what's the point of having all of these creative ideas if you don't know how to protect your creative genius? And let's be honest, I would say 99.99% of us did not go to business school. That is not a statistic. So please do not hold me to that. Um, (laughs) But that doesn't mean like we can't be business savvy by doing our research and partnering with the right professionals to protect our ideas, work relationships, and the brands that we're creating for ourselves. That's why I thought it would be extremely important and helpful to bring Yasmin to the show. And Yasmin is a business lawyer, a brand consultant, entrepreneur, all of the things, and the founder of Coaches and Company. I became familiar with Yasmin a few years ago. I can't remember the exact amount of years, but it's been a hot minute um, where I actually purchased a bundle of her contracts when I was starting out in coaching and consulting and really getting started with corporate gigs. And in fact, I actually still use them today. And to be clear, I did pay for those with my own money. All right. This episode is not sponsored, (laughs) but let them know. I'm just saying, you know, um, (laughs) those contracts have really been helpful. And I've never shared this with you, but especially when clients seem to get forgetful about, you Mm. know, payment deadlines and scope limitations. It's always been Mm. nice to have something to look back and have a legit you know, legal protection. Um, And naturally, we're not going to talk just about contracts today. We're going to talk about brand protection, trademarking versus copywriting. The power of good contract is going to come up too. But one of the things that I'm really excited about is the fact that you don't need a law law degree to follow along. Yasmin is very down to earth, is not going to throw a bunch of legal jargon at us. (laughs) So do not get overwhelmed. But I am excited that y'all are going to be able to soak up her wisdom. And I also want to say thank you to you for joining today and just agreeing to be a part of the show. Like I genuinely am excited for us to have this conversation. So welcome to More Than a Therapist podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me to join you. I'm so excited to be here. It's my pleasure. I've followed coaches. I don't even remember how I found the Instagram. I'm page. wondering. Like, how I are cannot, paths right? I'm glad I'm like, they did, though. <laughs> you know, the algorithm worked out very well. Um, sure but how did you specifically start working with coaches and therapists and service providers? Because I feel like most people aren't focusing on us. That's exactly why I decided to focus on this space was because I saw how underserved the community was. And this was a community that was made up predominantly by women and many women of color. And I was like, this is something's not right because we have these great opportunities available to us. We are living in the digital age and in the digital age as a professional and somebody that has a skill set, a valuable skill set, 
uh, has experience professionally, has wisdom that they want to put out into the world with an internet connection and a willingness to serve and a solid contract, might I add. <laughs> Just throw that you, the possibilities are endless. Truly, the possibilities are endless. And so just to rewind a little bit, I was working as an attorney, as a business attorney here in Dallas. Um, and I was working with entrepreneurs of all kinds across all industries. I mean, restaurants, beauty, consulting, um, health and wellness, uh, fertility. I mean, literally any industry you can name. I probably had a client in that space. And over, uh, I want to say it was 2018, I really got into digital marketing and uh, networking online. And I really began to leverage my digital tools that were available, that are really available to everyone. Uh, but I came from a very traditional background of law and how a lawyer acts, how a lawyer networks, how a lawyer markets, how a lawyer sells, how a lawyer serves, how a lawyer exists in this world. And I think you could probably relate. As Pretty boring, you know, yeah. very limited, yeah. very, very limited. limited, very bland, very, um, you know, traditional, I guess is the word, but I would love to redefine what traditional means. Uh, but I digress. I came from this very traditional, yeah, I came from this very traditional world. And uh, in 2018, I began to get involved in, I was using Instagram to educate my audience. So I was still speaking to entrepreneurs generally. And my entire marketing strategy for my law firm and for selling my legal services was rooted in education, which I still strongly believe. And my marketing strategy is still rooted in education. We can talk more about that. I imagine your listeners can relate to that. I think you can relate to that too. I was um, on Instagram, educating entrepreneurs and networking and you know sharing these resources. And I found that one, there was this growing market of women who were leaving the traditional career paths that they had taken in corporate and were selling their own services as consultants, as coaches. Um, they were supporting other women. This was a lot of women helping other women uh, overcome various obstacles, um, you know, up level in various areas of their lives or businesses. Uh it was a beautiful thing to see. And I was helping these, I was consulting with a lot of them, uh, helping them figure out, okay, what kind of entity do we need to have? LLC, a corporation, we would do those formations in my law firm. Those are services we provided. Uh, okay, trademarks, copyrights, do we need to register? Do we need to do this? Do we need to do that? We were providing those services. And then of course, contracts, custom contract drafting. So a lot of people were working with clients, they had team members, employees, contractors, they had websites where they're collecting personal information of visitors. And so you need to have a privacy policy, you need to have, you know, various things on your site, We'll get into the details of that soon. Yeah, but you know, it was it was a really exciting time. And I loved working with my clients at that time. What I found was that a lot of people were priced out of legal services at in those early stages of their business, especially in that first year of business. It's terrifying because you can, <laughs> depending on what lawyer you find, you see the price and you're like, baby, I'm not making money to be able to do that. I got to run away from this conversation. Like I would not, I would never, there are so many people I would never hear from again. And I'm like, man, I, I know that I could help them. And I know that they need yeah. these services. And that was the hard part is 
you know, I would, I would quote people on the services and I, my law firm, I was very proud of the fact that we provided accessible rates. Um, we provided a flat fee. We didn't do, you know, the hourly rate that was open-ended. You had to provide like a $10,000 retainer to get started. Like none of that. It was a flat fee. We wanted to provide predictability. Um, you know, we wanted to accommodate for those that were early stage entrepreneurs, didn't have thousands of dollars to invest in working right. with a law firm. And so that was good at, for that period of time. There were still a lot of people that we worked with. So that was great. And we were able to provide that support. But like I said, I found that a lot of people were getting priced down. So I'm like, okay, how do we provide support to these people that are at a different stage of their business where they can't afford the one-to-one hire a law firm or a lawyer to provide these specialized legal services? How can we productize the service that we provide so that people can readily access them uh, so that people can, we can meet them where they're at. You know, it's maybe five years from now, as they continue to develop their business, they'll be in a position to work with a law firm. They'll need a, a lawyer on retainer, but in that first year, it's not really necessary in many cases. So yeah, it was, I found that it was an underserved community I love, I also loved the community. That was an important piece. So I was like, okay, I love <laughs> talking to these women. I love learning from these women. I love helping them craft these businesses that, you know, there are really no rules here. Yeah. Of course, there are some legal rules, but of you know, course. you can design this whatever way you want, you know, from uh, an offer standpoint, from how you work with your clients, from the kind of content you're creating, from your marketing strategy, how your your life and how it fits into or rather how your business fits into your life as opposed to the other way around so yeah it was that thank you for asking me that question because i have fond memories of that period of time is really exciting and and i remember thinking like wow i can't wait to create something for this community because i see so much potential here I see this as an opportunity for women to create financial independence for themselves through entrepreneurship, which is what I'm very passionate about. That is what drives my passion in this business. So it's very evident in the way that you communicate and you talk about it. And obviously this is a podcast, like there is no video podcast, but y'all can't see her cheesing as she talks about it. <laughs> like smiling the whole time. So I'm like, no, it's very <laughs> evident that you care, you know, about your audience. So I appreciate that. But I also, you know, what stands out to me so much, and I'm so glad that you named it, is the fact that for so many of us, especially mm -hmm. clinicians, and especially clinicians who are from, you know, historically excluded and marginalized groups, that idea of coming out into the field and having 10 grand, we're like, baby, we're bootstrapping. <laughs> like, we don't have 10 grand laying Is around. Is a joke? Exactly. Like, you just sent me this price list. What am I, what am I going to do with this? Like, that's not going to happen. But to know that there is someone who is saying, okay, I understand this. What are ways that I can make this more accessible? Because you don't need to have, for most people, let me say that. For most yes. situations, you're not going to require a, a lawyer on retainer. Like you just, you, you just got started. You don't even have clients like that. Like, what do you do all of these legal um, needs for? But I appreciate you just naming, like you can start making steps in the beginning without thousands upon thousands of dollars. You can still 
create mm. something to protect yourself. And I guess I'm wondering for all the people that you've worked with, like the, the therapists, the consultants, the, the, the coaches, you know, the therapists who are coaches, mm-hmm. who have these multiple streams of income. What are the first legal steps that these clinicians need to take with this brand that they're building? Like what, what are the first things before we launch you know, before we share the podcast episode, before mm-hmm. we have a thousand people on our website, what are the steps that we should be taking to protect the brands that we're creating? That's a great question. So you reiterated that, you know, in the first year or in the early stages, you don't necessarily need a lawyer on retainer. My recommendation is if you are starting a business in general, um, no matter what you're selling, have an initial consultation with a lawyer that is in your jurisdiction, because wherever you live, there are unique laws related to business there. And just pay for a one-time consultation. That should be no more than a couple hundred dollars, if that. Um, Some lawyers offer it for more accessible. And you can ask for a a sliding scale rate. You know, it should be, um, depending on the law firm and the lawyer, they might have something available for you, depending on um, the resources available to you. So have an initial consultation, a 60-minute session where you are telling them all about what it is that you are planning to do and allow for them to help you in issue spotting. Uh, figuring out, you know, okay, what needs to be on your radar in that first year? What do you need to be aware of? There is probably going to be some education and some advising going on during that time. And then I would also have a consultation with a CPA, somebody that is familiar with tax law and that can help you, you know, what needs to be on your radar? What do you need to be mindful of? What structures do you need to have in place early on? Because here's what you need to get started. Uh, And it goes to our framework, um, our three-part framework uh, that we use to educate our audience on your legal foundation. And so um, the first part of that framework is your business entity. So forming your entity like an LLC or a corporation. And what this does essentially is it creates something that's separate from you. So if you are a clinician and you currently, maybe you do have a practice right now, or maybe you don't have a practice right now as a clinician, let's say you do. Um, and let's say it has its own entity, or maybe you are working with another office and you are providing the service in there as a clinician. When you are building a brand, you want to create something that is separate from you, the individual. You want to create separation financially, tax-wise, legally, uh, liability-wise to protect your personal assets and to protect your business assets and the brand that you're building. So we can talk more about that for sure in a little bit. But that is one step that I highly recommend considering in the early stages is, okay, let me create a formal entity because in the eyes of the law... And the government, they look at that, the LLC or the corporation, as uh, its own citizen. It's its own person. It can have its own property. It can have its own bank account. It pays its own taxes. It can sue others. It can be sued. It enters into its own contracts. It can take out its own loans. It can own, I think I mentioned, it can own its own property and its own assets, both intellectual property and physical property. So create that entity for your brand on its own. That can do wonders also for your own personal um, well-being, your, your own personal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> your own personal well-being is like, okay, now I know I have that liability protection. Like I can, because there are risks associated with business. 
it can provide you with that peace of mind. It can provide you with that confidence. It can provide you with also a feeling of legitimacy. You know, like this is a business that I'm building. I'm not playing games. If you decide that, Hey, I just don't want to form an entity right now. I don't want to pay the filing fee or whatever your reason might be for not forming an entity. Just know that your business, you are your business and your business is you. There's no distinction between the two. So if there is some sort of dispute or claim for damages that comes up in your business, your personal assets and you individually could be on the hook and vice versa. If something happens in your personal life, your business could be on the hook. So here's the thing to remember, and this is an important point, is filing that paperwork with your state to form the LLC or to form the corporation Just filing the paperwork and having that LLC or that corporation formed doesn't mean you're done. You also want to make sure you're treating it like it's separate. So that means having separate finances, separate bank accounts, no commingling the funds. We're not out here, you know, paying our personal expenses out of the business account and business expenses out of the personal account. So I would definitely start there. Um, And then under that, I think of that entity as an umbrella. Under that umbrella is all of your business activity, your business assets, your business contracts and relationships that you're entering into. So uh, the next place I would start is your contracts. Because if you're doing business, that means you are entering into relationships, professional relationships with your customers and with your clients with even visitors to your website, that's considered if they're providing information, um, their email address for an opt-in or if they're buying anything, or even if you're collecting data from them, you you have a relationship with them professionally. And then if you have team members, contractors or employees, uh, so having those contracts in place with your clients in particular and anyone else you're doing business with, that is... um, I would say arguably the number one spot that you you want to begin with. <laughs> if you're like, you know, I still want to validate my you know idea. I'm not really sure. I don't know. LLC corporation. Maybe you put that off. I wouldn't recommend it generally speaking, but if in your situation, it makes sense. Contracts for sure are not someplace um, that you want to cut corners on because the types of issues that come from contracts, you don't typically face those consequences the next day. Like if I enter into a relationship with a client, it's like, okay, we're happy now. That's why we're deciding to work together. The next day, we're probably not going to have any issues. But six months from now, even if it's been three months since you work together, a problem could arise. And you want to be able to look back at that contract. You mentioned Avia is, you know, you love being able to look back at the contract and point to it when a, a, a question comes up or a dispute comes up with a client. I always say this, uh, if you are in a professional relationship and it's not in writing, you're in a situationship and every interaction, <laughs> yes, girl, it's not defined. And here's why is because every interaction at that point becomes a negotiation. Mm. Every time you're in, if there's no contract in place with your client or your policies are not outlined, you said pay late payment or the scope of the contract. What did we agree? I was actually going to provide you in terms of services. If it's not in writing and you both agreed to it, then when that client is late on payment, we're about to have a conversation about what this looks like. We're about to have a conversation about, you know, what are the terms of a late payment? Is there a late payment fee? Well, I never agreed to that. Well, I never said all this. Let's say there's a scope issue. I said, you know, they're paying X amount of dollars in exchange for services, A, B, and C. And then they're trying to add on D and E. And it's like, 
well, we didn't agree to that. Well, we don't have a contract to look. I was under the impression that that was included. I wouldn't have agreed to the con. I wouldn't have said I was going to pay that much if it was, you know, so it's like it's a negotiation. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you can really preserve the relationship and reduce the likelihood of disputes if you have a contract in place. And same thing goes with employees and contractors visitors to your website, having terms and conditions on your site, if you're selling something on your website, um, or if you're publishing content online. And so yeah, contracts, very important. And that's why that was the first place we started with coaches and company was there are so many opportunities for and so many various needs for contracts, all your different offers, all your different team members, if you have a business partner, your website needs certain contracts. So yeah, we love uh, providing those resources and making them more accessible. And, you know, a client contract to have a lawyer draft a custom one, which sometimes it doesn't even make sense to have a lawyer custom create it for you. In my opinion, that use my opinion used to be have a lawyer create your contract, period. And then I saw that a lot of lawyers are not familiar with the nature of selling services online, working one on one with the client, running a live group program having a self-paced course, um, starting an email list. Like these are foreign concepts to a lot of lawyers because the law is so far behind. In terms so all of, the different like caveats and disclaimers yeah, and clauses to consider. They don't know. On their radar. Yeah. It's not on their radar. And so having a specialized contract, like the contracts that we offer that are industry specific, they're lawyer created by a lawyer that is familiar with this industry and has been involved in this type of work for many years now customize that contract, purchase a contract template, customize the contract, and then take it to a lawyer that's local to you to review it. And that will save you thousands of dollars. Having a custom contract created can be $2,500 and up. And that's for Mm. one contract. Oh, I know. I know, which depending on the type of services, if you're in a highly regulated industry, maybe it makes sense for you. Yeah. But most of the time, we just find that it's not necessary. It makes more sense to have an industry specific contract that's specific to the nature of the relationship you're going to create with clients. And then depending on your jurisdiction, if there are certain regulations you're concerned about, or maybe certain business laws that might be applicable to your business and what you're doing where you live and where your business operates, having a a lawyer review that contract that you've uh, filled in and customized and tailored to your business. And even then you'll be saving thousands of dollars. No, I love that approach because you're not starting from nothing. Now, when it comes to protecting even just like the ideas that we have for our brand or the products that we have. How do we do that? Like when do copyrights and trademarks even enter the chat? Like, is that something we need to think about proactively? Is that further down the line? What are your thoughts? I love this question because it is something that every entrepreneur needs to have on their radar. (laughs) Even if it's not something that you are actively pursuing or you know, a project you're working on with a lawyer right now, having a basic understanding of trademarks and copyrights, I can't emphasize how important this is. So starting with trademarks, both trademarks and copyrights are forms of intellectual property, otherwise known as IP. Trademarks are source identifiers. 
I like to, when I'm talking about trademarks and copyrights, I like to picture a present, like a gift box. And there's something great inside of the gift box. And there's a wrapping paper and packaging on the outside of the gift box. And in this particular gift box, the packaging and the wrapping paper is the label of the product. It lets you know where this product came from. It has a logo. It has a tagline. It has certain colors. It has a, you know, a slogan or a hashtag maybe. And it has the company name or the brand name. It is a source identifier and it's identifying the source of the products or services that are being sold. So in the mainstream, Nike is a very popular trademark. Yeah. So we've got their brand name, which is Nike. We've got their logo, which is that swoosh symbol. And then we've got their slogan, which is just do it. Just do it. We know. We all know. Right. So when I hear just do it, I don't even need to see the name Nike. I don't even need to see the logo at all. I know it's Nike right away. When I see the swoosh symbol on a pair of track pants or on a pair of shoes, I don't need anybody to tell me where those shoes are from. I know exactly where those shoes are from. Right. So that is the power of a strong intellectual property asset. That is the power of a trademark. When you are building a brand, whether it's a standalone brand or your personal brand, your company name might be your name. Your name can be a trademark. You might have a logo uh, or a slogan or a tagline or the name of your podcast. That's a trademark that identifies the source of the services being provided. And so there are a few things we want to keep in mind when we're talking about trademarks and we're thinking about trademarks is, okay, I want to make sure I am the only one using this trademark. I want to make sure I'm the only one with this name of my company or selling these products or services. I'm the only one with this name of the podcast selling these or providing these services. If you don't, then you run the risk of your trademark becoming diluted where it's losing value. Okay. Because everybody's using it. So you don't want to use something generic or something highly descriptive um, because that you can't claim rights to that. If it is generic, if everybody else needs to use that phrase or use that word to describe the same products or services, it might be generic or descriptive. So we want to use something really distinct, something unique, um, something that is going to uh, be distinct in the market as well. So people can readily identify your brand and your products or services. And so these are assets that you can carve out, that you can register and that you can own. They can be sold. They can be licensed. Um, do you ever see at the grocery stores, the different uh, chip brands that all have their own brand? And then some of them are like Flamin' Hot Cheeto flavor, like yeah. Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Did you used to love Flamin' Hot Cheetos? I used to love There's Flamin' Hot Cheetos. There's not a too. <laughs> I still love them. There's not a past tense. I am not ashamed. Okay. I do too. I just can't. I just don't eat them like I used to. I try. Yeah, that's my thing. I'm like, I know these are horrible. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I can't believe I ever tried to deny my love of hot Cheetos. You're like, I'm still a hot Cheeto girl. I love them forever. Okay. Let me put you on real quick. Try them with yellow mustard. Like dip a hot Cheeto in some yellow mustard. Let me tell you. That is convince me. Okay. (laughs) Come back and let me know after you try it because wow. Yeah. That's like the ultimate combo. I don't know how we got here, but what I'm saying is what I'm saying is when you see that, so Flamin' Hot Cheetos is a trademark. You know, I hear that, I see that, I automatically know 
you know, I can already picture the logo, like the red with the yellow and mm-hmm. the flames and all of that. So there's a licensing agreement going on here. You know, those chip companies now Flamin' Hot Cheetos might be owned by all the same, but they're standalone brands. They're standalone yeah. trademarks. There are licensing agreements between the two. And you see, we see it in food and beverage all the time, um, licensing in that way. And we're seeing a lot in the business um, world. We're seeing it in the health and wellness world, different collaborations and licensing going on. And that is allowing for... Um, the goodwill and the reputation to be you're benefiting from that, you know, that people are people are building up as you're building a brand. What you really want here is to develop a reputation and a recognition associated with that brand and whatever your trademark is. So that might be, as I said, your company name, your brand name, your logo, your slogan, etc. Another thing you want to be aware of here is that you're not infringing on anybody else. You don't want to step on anybody else's toes. So quick pro tip, before you decide to name your company, your brand, your podcast, your program, your course, um, your membership, whatever it is, do an initial trademark clearance search. So First place, of course, you know, we already know Google. Google's our BFF. That is a <laughs> that is a tool that you can use and you should use. Search on Google, search on YouTube, search Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Pinterest, uh, Etsy, Amazon. Search for your trademark that you're considering if it's a po- you know on the podcast platforms and see is anybody else using this or anything similar to it and go to the USPTO website. So the US Patent and Trademark Office's website uspto.gov. You'll click on TESS, which is Trademark Electronic Search System, T-E-S-S, and click on that basic search and type in your trademark. See if there is an existing registration or if there's a pending application for your trademark and search for variations of it too, because even if it's slightly different, So if I wanted to start a coffee company and I'm like, man, I really love the name Starbucks, but obviously it's already taken. All right. I'm just going to do star hyphen B-U-X and start my own coffee company. You can't do that. They can be like, what? (laughs) Literally, they are going to. I mean, I'm not trying to go up against Starbucks. Let me just say that. I am not. Certainly not as a new entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly not as a new entrepreneur. You'll get shut down so quick. And we've seen it happen countless times. So. The downside, especially, is when people don't do that due diligence and they get hit with that cease and desist or they make that discovery on their own after they've invested thousands in their marketing and their branding and their website and promoting and and maybe even more than you know all the money that's involved is the time you spent building the recognition and reputation with your audience and then you have to go back and say okay well actually that's not me anymore i have a different name or i have a different logo or i have a different whatever it might be so do your due diligence you've probably heard me say this a thousand times Davia, is be proactive don't wait to be reactive waiting to be reactive when it comes to your legal stuff is a recipe for scrambling to do damage control that's always going to be more expensive always going to be more time consuming so be proactive and do that do yourself that favor up front and that way future you can be like thank you past me thank you for looking out i have seen exactly what you're saying happen where someone has spent years with a certain like instagram account and creating Mm -hmm. content and a blog and the website and the podcast and then it's like Mm -hmm. well we went to trademark and 
we'll be shifting our name. You'll see some changes yeah. in the coming weeks. And I'm like, oh, that sucks. I'm it like, because it's so much effort and so much work to build, yeah. you know, trust. And it can quickly go away because like you said, we simply didn't know or take the time to to research and be proactive because we can get lost in the excitement. Like, oh, let me just start. I have the idea. Let me do it. Let me do yeah. it. Like, <laughs> Also dig and make sure, like you said, that you don't have to reinvent the wheel later. Yeah. And we talked about this a little, you know, before we started recording is, you know, that fire in the belly, the excitement, the, I want to just start moving so fast. Like you don't want to lose that. That's a great thing to have. I think that's rooted in passion and excitement for all of the possibilities that lie ahead. So continue to, to nurture that, continue to lean into that. Just have some strategy in your movements, you know, continue to move fast. If that is what's right for you in this season, just be strategic in how you move, be strategic in how you navigate the business, the landscape of business. Right. And so having that, uh, proactive action when it comes to your trademarks, making sure you're avoiding what can, you know, actually, I want to say that's worst case scenario to have to rebrand, but worst case scenario is having to defend against a trademark infringement lawsuit, you know, and you're, and you're like, I just actually, I've got to just close down my whole business because there's no way I'm going to be able to withstand this. And so, yeah, doing that due diligence can save you so much in terms of time, money, energy. I know that it's hard because you don't always know what you don't know, you know, but that's why we do what we do. And that's why we're, you know, educating and trying to shed light on these concepts, which I believe should be fundamental knowledge for all entrepreneurs. That's not to put anyone down that doesn't have this information on lock. You know, you can learn it. I try to make it as digestible as I can. Um, and so, yeah, we were talking about, I know this is a long-winded answer and for sure there's so much we can get into on this topic. Um, but you know, those are the trademarks. Those are those source identifiers. The first thing your audience is interacting with. And then if we're back to that metaphor of the present and the wrapping paper, we take the packaging off and we're looking inside the gift box, what's inside that's your content. That's your copyright assets. So copyright assets are your original works of art or authorship. This might include written works like your blog posts, your emails, copy on your website, a book that you've written, an ebook of some sort or some sort of written um, content in a digital format. That all falls under copyright. Audio content, so podcast recordings, other audio recordings, all that falls under your copyright assets. Um, And then visual assets, so photography, videography, graphic design, all of that falls under copyright assets. And when you own the rights to a copyright asset, you have the exclusive rights to the uh, publication of it, the reproduction of it, to repurpose it, um, to profit off of it, to license it to others. We're seeing a lot of great licensing deals and sale of content of the in this way. Um, so yeah, these are valuable assets. And you probably, if you've been creating content for any amount of time, you probably have intellectual property assets already. No, I think that's really important for people to remember because folks think that the only way to have protection is if you filed for a trademark. And we know that trademarks can get pricey, right? But I'm like, you don't have to wait just for the trademark. Like you also have copyright protection as well. And of course, there's a formal process for 
for certain forms of copyrights. But I'm like, even when you posted that blog post, now it's copyrighted. Like it's out in the world. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, you don't have to, you don't have to wait um, to even take action. Like I've had blog posts completely stolen from my website. And I was able to submit some lovely paperwork and within hours, it was removed. Bye-bye. Like, mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, yeah. You know, and okay, just legal people, rights. I like you know, it. But just having people like you that are telling me that information because mm-hmm. it's stressful. And especially yeah. for creatives, when you work hard and you care about it, you don't want somebody ripping off your stuff. Like, this is something you oh, care about. But having absolutely. folks like you that are like, oh, no, no. Like, no, it does suck. Take a breath. Get some mind, baby. But <laughs> but here are the next steps. Here's what we can do. Yeah. If this doesn't change, here's the next route. Like, there's something you so, can do helpful so i appreciate you sharing that because we like you mentioned earlier and i just have to re-emphasize you don't have to have a ton of money to protect your business yes you're going to make some investments like you said getting some getting some contract templates getting someone to review it making sure that you just have the right systems in place to get started but it is possible and there are so many resources available to us but like you said sometimes we don't know because no one has had the conversation. And so it's like now yeah. we're having this conversation. So I'm just so thankful that you're here because this really can make or break a business. And it's really, really such a game changer for folks to have. So I just say thank you for sharing all of this. Thank you for having me and for being such a gracious host. My pleasure. Well, before we say goodbye, I would like you to join me for the final segment called the hot seat. Um, (laughs) The hot seat is our final segment where I just ask you 10 rapid fire questions and you reply with the first thing that comes to mind. Would you join me? Are you ready? I'm I'm down. Let's do it. (laughs) Okay. First question. Morning, early bird or late riser? Uh, Okay. So I'm definitely an early bird because... Uh, I have a three-year-old, so yeah, he wakes up at like the crest. So I'm like currently at this place in my life where I'm trying to wake up earlier than him so I can have some time to myself before the chaos ensues. So yeah, (laughs) you're like an early bird by default. (laughs) I'm an early bird, not by choice, but yeah, that's okay. What about romantic comedy or horror horror film? Oh, definitely rom-com. Rom-com. One word to describe your thoughts about legal Zoom. I'm going to say, okay. If y'all could see the faces. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Introvert, ambivert, or extrovert? Oh, definitely ambivert. Ambivert. Best compliment you've ever received from a client? You know, I have received... Uh, maybe not necessarily compliments, but I guess I can accept them as compliments. I've received so many happy messages from clients over my years of practice, which I'm so happy to share that. Um, The ones that stand out, I would say, are the ones that came to me and came to my practice just totally frazzled and terrified and just like, I don't even know what's going on. I'm brand new to this. Like, please help me and yeah it's like just helping empower them really to take the action necessary to protect themselves protect their businesses um when they thought that they were not going to be capable of doing that and if you're listening to this and you are someone that this is a common experience you're someone that thinks 
I could never get my legal stuff in order. Like how to, where do I even begin? I can't afford it. It's so intimidating. It's confusing. I don't know what to do or like, what is my first step? Just know that so many people have figured this out. You are capable of figuring it out. And there are people out there that can help you figure it out. Hey, this is why she on the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, the next one. What is the weirdest clause that you have ever seen in a contract? Uh, okay. First thing that comes to my mind is I remember I was reviewing a contract for somebody that was here in Dallas and it was a client contract. They were, I think they were a marketing agency. And I remember the contract was... Uh, there's always a jur- there should be a jurisdiction clause in your contract that determines, you know, if I'm working with a client, if there's a dispute, where are we settling that dispute? Where can you file a lawsuit or where are we going to settle it? What law governs? And it was Singapore. And I was like, Oh, I didn't realize that you had ties. Yeah. I was like, I didn't realize you had ties in Singapore. Like, is that where you're formed? And they were like, what? And I was like, your contract says Singapore. And they were like, my bad. I didn't realize that that was in there. Yeah. And they had been using it. And I was like, okay, well, we're going to need to do a couple things to clean this up. Like, especially (laughs) with the, like they had active clients that were under contract using that contract. And I was like, all right. So that is the dangers of piecing together a contract with digital duct tape. That's the Mm -hmm. dangers of using a contract that you got from your biz bestie or from a coach or from, you know, a Facebook group. I've heard it all. Yeah, let's not do those. <laughs> let's not do that. Not single. So here, let me tell you why. Because in the event that there's a dispute, you'll have to go to Singapore. Singapore. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to go to Singapore, then you're going to have to go to Singapore to resolve it. Uh, you know, absolutely. Nobody. No, thank. I'm, if I'm going to Singapore, it's not to defend it's against. Definitely the not lawsuit. for that. Yeah, no, no, like, no. Singapore is on the list, but not for that. Not <laughs> for that. What is the biggest mistake a therapist should avoid when seeking a lawyer? Biggest mistake a therapist should avoid when seeking a lawyer. I would say hiring the first lawyer you meet with or are referred to. So reach out to your network and see if you can get some referrals. That's always a good first place to start. But before you commit to like, this is my lawyer for life, or this is the lawyer I'm going to work with, you know, long term, shop around, you know, interview a couple different lawyers, see... Everybody has a different style. Everybody has a different approach. Everybody has different values. And you want somebody that you can uh, relate to from a value standpoint and somebody that really understands the type of business that you're building. That's great advice. Um, A little easier then. Savory or sweet snacks? I already know the answer. You told me. Ooh, okay. But I'm... I have a problem. Both, please. <laughs> You're like, I want spicy, savory, sweet. All, I want of, spi- all of it. Yes. But yeah, I definitely love, I love me some savory snacks. Um, but I have a, I'm a snacker sweet general, too. So I get it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm it's, I don't, I don't discriminate. Give me all the snacks, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. What's one thing every, and you've alluded to this. What is one thing every therapist should have before launching a business? Mm. One thing, most important. One thing, yeah. One thing, a legal foundation. Amen. All right. <laughs> See, if they've been right paying that? attention. That's if they've been paying it. attention, they, they just need to, you know, reemphasize. You know. Yeah. A legal foundation. I mean, legal protection, legal for protection. sure, before starting a business. And, you know, a common question is when. Um, 
Before you accept a dollar from anyone, I would recommend having an entity in place and a contract tied to that dollar. Like why is somebody paying you? Mm -hmm. Let's be very clear. That's good. That's good. And the last question, our therapists feel this deep in our souls. Have you finished your notes this week? (laughs) Okay. I am not a therapist. So thankfully I don't have to, I have a lot of friends and clients that are therapists. So I understand. And in the, the the medical field, yeah, in general, I know the struggle. I get it. Uh, but I have a lot of stuff on my plate that I have not done yet this week. So can somewhat relate slowly, but surely we all going to get there. (laughs) Well, I just want to say thank you for, for entertaining the hot seat. Thank you for joining and sharing all of your wisdom. If people want to connect with you online, where can they find you? Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. I really enjoyed being here and I hope everybody found value in this. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so where are we online? You can find us online, www.coachesandcompany.com. Uh, we're on Instagram at Coaches and Company. I'm on Instagram. My name, my full name is a bit long, but it's Yasmin Salem Hamden spelled out. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Yes, it will. Um, yes. And I am on LinkedIn. So if you're on there, uh, hit me up. I'm hanging out on Twitter sometimes. I'm in, I'm in doing the Twitter thing. You, even in these Twitter streets. I did not. I've been in the Twitter streets. It's, it's interesting. It's no, as soon as right now. Yeah, it's, that's what I was going to say. As soon as I got, it's probably been like six months um, since I've been on there m- more consistently. And it's like, as soon as I got on there, all the you know what hit the fan it's just like upside down i'm like this feels a bit unpredictable but i'm gonna stay tuned in and see what, what, see what <laughs> but it's been fun <laughs> yeah it's been fun though it's an interesting um uh space that is different than instagram i've been on instagram for so long and instagram is there's a lot of conversation to be had there but it is really visually focused yeah and twitter is more focused on you know your your words and what you have to share yeah exactly sharing your thoughts so it's it's fun to mix it up a bit i recommend it it. i agree well for those of you who are interested in staying connected with yasmin getting a contract and also a birdie told me there's a podcast in the making if you want to hear more yep. i will be i will make sure that all of her links all of the contact information will be in today's show notes and you can find those at more than a therapist.co